Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ, Season 6, Episode number 31. Today, we're going to talk about footwork development, how to develop your feet. There, there have been some great players in the NBA that we'll kind of discuss that had excellent footwork that allowed them to play very well on both the offensive and defensive side. And we're just going to talk about the importance of it. I'm going to give you a couple of tips. Not necessarily, again, not, not drills. Um, but just some things I feel like you should understand and know and consider when you're working with players and not necessarily saying, well, I'm just going to do drills that teach footwork, but how to teach footwork within your skill development. And and I feel like there are things that you should know um, and understand when you're talking about your feet. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, it's not. I'm not going to discuss it for an extended period of time, but I think it's going to be something that'd be really good for me to hit, get in, get out, and then move on. Um, but before I get to that, before I get to that, I want to take some time on my own platform and discuss something that is very, very close to me and is dear to uh, to my heart and and to my community. And for anybody that's listening, maybe you've never seen me before, never seen a picture of me or whatever, but I'm a black male, 42-year-old black male in in, in uh, Arkansas. So I've been in the South my whole life. I've seen a lot. I've experienced a lot. And I've even experienced, you know, growing up seeing the, the Confederate flag and not thinking anything about it. Like you just you just get so used to it, you get null to it. You know, it's just like you just oh, that's not that's Confederate flag or you know, it's just certain things that you, that you are so used to so used to seeing that you don't even react to it anymore. Um, but one thing that I that I can't get used to is seeing black men murdered, and I'm using the word murdered by police officers. Now, this is a topic that I have been contemplating going back and forth on. Should I discuss? Should I not discuss? What will people think? But I'm at a point now where, you know what? I'm like, screw it. I don't care what other people think. When I'm sitting up here as a grown man and I have two daughters of my own, I have a wife, um, and I sit here and think, you know, what if that was me? What if, what if, what if I'm driving down the street and I get pulled over and I don't make it home? Now, I get it. I understand the police officers, they have a very dangerous job. Um, and so I understand that. But I don't understand the way we have been treated and, and the way that we have been done wrong for so long, for so long. And, you know, when you sit back and think about it, slavery, you know, once slavery was over with, then we get into all these different laws that's been created to try to minimize and oppress black people. And I'm not going to really get into my theories on why things are done and what things are going on and 
how I feel about certain things in this country. But I will tell you this. Yesterday, I was um, getting up, got up, did my normal thing. And before I start my day, I always hop on social media and kind of just kind of read some different things, go through different, uh, you know, I go on Twitter, read around on Twitter a little bit. I go to, you know, um, Instagram, see what's see what's going on on Instagram. And I came up and I came across a post that was very disturbing to me. Now, I don't do politics. It's two things I don't really try to discuss a whole lot. Politics and religion. I don't really consider myself a religious man per se. I'm I'm spiritual. I mean, I am a Christian. I do attend church. I'm co-chair of the deacon board. You know, I participate in activities. I give my tithes, I give my offering, all that stuff. But I'm not just so religious where I where I I I think that uh, there's certain things that I can't do in life, and as people are doing, I know everybody makes mistakes. Okay, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody is perfect. I get all that. Um, but I I, I read something that just really disturbed me, and I was going back and forth about should I say something. So I decided to say something. I got ready to uh, type something to go on my story because I saw this on their story. I started to type something to go on there on my story in response to what they said. I wasn't going to at them. I wasn't going to tag them. I wasn't going to send them direct message. I was just going to give my two cents like they did. But then I said, no, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to make a video because I felt like me typing it would be too long. So I got ready to make a video. And when I set my 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 phone up to start recording, I got a phone call. So a really good coaching friend of mine called me and I'm like, hey, man, it must have been God because, you know, I'm not really in the right frame of mind. <laughs> I don't know what I would have ended up saying. So I'm not I, I was and I told him the whole story about how I was going to make this video. And we talked about it for for a couple of minutes and then and then we moved on. So I'm going to read verbatim what this person posted and then i'm going to give you my thoughts on this uh this particular person said there's something to be said about simultaneously advocating um for defunding the police and equality for women and still making a martyr out of a terrible man that had a warrant for choking beating and threatening threatening to shoot a woman trying to rob her don't want accidents like this to happen okay one don't resist arrest and two fund and he got that in caps fund police departments for training fund not defund then he goes on to say i truly wonder what the statistics are for unarmed men killed who don't resist arrest not saying he should have been killed Still weird to make a martyr out of out of men like him. You are illogical if you think this was racially motivated. Okay. So I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and it's disturbing to me because I know this particular person. Like personally, I know the particular person. I, I mean, it's, it's not like we're 
friends or best friends, but I know this particular person because I used to train this this kid, basically. I mean, they're probably about 20, 21 years old, but they're still a kid. So I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, to be honest with y'all, I'm pissed. Because in the past, they've made posts and comments about different things. Nothing about nothing about black people or anything like that. But just, you know, different things. You know, they, um, you know, like I said, I don't get into to politics, but big Trump supporters. Big Trump supporters. And if anybody, you know, you can you can support who you want to support. But if you ever wondered why there were so many black people against Trump and why so many black people will if if you looked at a black person like you a Trump supporter? Like, really? (laughs) Because of the things that he would say and allow to be said and what he would imply about black people. It just didn't sit well with black people. And before he was in office, he was accepted by the black community. So when you say things like, oh, I wish it was something to this effect. Oh, I wish it was the 60s, because in the in the 50s and 60s, we would have we took him out back. And you're saying that type of thing at a rally with one or two black people there to protest whatever it is that you've said in the past. You know, like when you're saying things like that, it just it doesn't it doesn't sit well. Um, But I'm not I'm not here to talk about that. But so anyway, in in those situations, I just scroll on past. You know, I'm not you know, he can he can support whoever you want to support. And so I move right on past it. But this here hit me more directly because I'm a black man. And I could very easily have been Dante Wright. So I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't respond to that directly, um, you know, on, on, on Instagram. So I went to Facebook and I made a post. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna read this post. And if anybody's wondering why I'm I'm saying this, I just feel like there are white individuals that live in a bubble. And when I say live in a bubble, they see what happened on TV and they're like, oh, that's sad. And it is sad. It is sad. Oh, that's sad. But then they move on about their day. Right? Um, and it's easy for a white individual to say, why are you running? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, why don't you just do what the police say? Or, oh, he was a bad person anyway. He had warrants, you know, uh, he had a a criminal record. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the individual has done in the past. There are individuals that are that are going out here to grocery stores, churches, malls, movie theaters, and they are shooting up, you know, 10, 8, 9, 10 people that's just trying to enjoy their time. And the police go there, and what they do is they arrest them. They get a chance to go home. They get their, their day in court. 
just yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, just yesterday, some man in Minnesota was surrounded by policemen. I don't even know what he did, but the police had one arm in the guy's vehicle. The guy had rolled up the window and took off driving full speed ahead. This policeman is holding on for their life. Now, I don't remember hearing about this individual being shot. Black, black people wouldn't even made it to that. A black individual wouldn't even made it to that. Then we got the, the, the takeover on, on Capitol Hill. The Capitol. I mean, like, there's no way in the world hundreds or thousands of black people could have shown up and just stormed into the Capitol and just tore the place up. There is no way in the world. And then you have white people that say those individuals that was on that TV that was doing that stuff are patriots. They're patriots, really? But if that had been black people, they're thugs, they're criminals, they need to be shot, they need to be, like all this just this crazy stuff because the person that they wanted to be in office was not in office. But they quick to tell us, if you don't like what's going on here, why don't you go ahead and leave? Why don't you leave? It's your turn now. Why don't you leave? 75 million people voted for Trump. Why don't you leave? Come back in four or five years or don't come back at all. Because if I'm not mistaken, I believe there was already a set of people here when the Europeans came. So in actuality, the people that you hate and you talk about coming over here, you did the same thing. So how can you talk about this as our country when there was already individuals here? How you discover something that was already found? That's what doesn't make any sense to me. But you're quick to try to tell black people to get out of the country. If you don't like it here. But that's, that's you know, but anyway. So here, here's my response to, to what that individual wrote. So someone has the nerve to say, quit resisting and you won't be shot. It's not racially motivated. And that he was a bad person that had a warrant for attempted robbery. My question is, did the individual in Colorado that shot the grocery store and killed a police officer resist arrest? Because, you know, in, in my opinion, and this, and I'm going to interject right here. Because if the black individual that took off was resisting arrest, he got, he got murdered. We have an individual that's in Colorado that's shooting up a grocery store. Kill a police officer. I believe that's resisting arrest. Kill a police officer. And he makes it home. He gets a gunshot wound to the leg. But we got an individual here that doesn't have a gun. That's not a threat to anybody. He's not killing anybody. He's not shooting anybody. And he gets he gets shot in the chest. Okay. So back to what I wrote. Was he taken into custody or was he killed? Is he having his day in court? 
Ezekiel in his due process. I'm tired of individuals that look like me being killed by police and people who don't look like me have the nerve to say don't resist when other individuals are taken in handcuffs. Unless you're a black man or a black woman, you will never get a true understanding of the psychological damage we go through when we see our, our people killed in the streets by people that are supposed to uphold the law and protect us. What we are seeing today is no different than what happened during slavery when the slave owner would whoop a slave in front of other slaves. There are individuals that fear black people being equal. Let me, let me say that one more time. There are individuals that fear black people being equal, not being more. We don't want more. We just want to be equal. We want the same treatment, the same opportunities, the due process. But racism is so embedded in this country, the majority of the people in this country can't even see it. From the Constitution, state laws, all the way to the, to the local politicians, banks, private business owners, etc. I'm tired, y'all. I love being a black man, but you have no idea how draining it is every day. Not some days. I'm talking about every single day. So we have this that's going on, and it, and it speaks to that individual's privilege to be able to say, don't run, don't resist, don't do this, don't do that. It's funny how, it's funny how we as a black community are always told what to do by white individuals, right? So, and, and what I mean by that is, they try to tell us how to protest, right? Well, when we ask, well, what should we do then? What, what should we do to let y'all understand that we're serious about this? And what should we do? But they don't have an answer. No one ever has an answer. And it shows to your privilege to not have to worry about being put over by the police and being shot. That's a privilege. So there's another incident. And I've heard people talk about, oh, they love military, you know, they love people in the military. Well, here's a black and brown man that was pulled over by the police and he was in Virginia, got pulled over by the police and he is scared to death. I mean, his hands is out the window and they pepper spraying him. Guns drawn on him. He's telling them he's literally scared to get out of the car. He said, he tells her, I am scared. You know what the police officer says? You should be. Like, really? You're supposed to uphold the law. You're supposed to protect me. And I tell you that I'm scared and you say I should be. Now, just my opinion, that tells me that officer has ill intent and they're waiting for an opportunity. 
and and you wonder why black people are scared of the police. I got a friend of mine. Well, I I, I know someone. Uh, I got a coaching friend, I, I guess you can say, that made a post the other day talking about he was scared to death. He had to pull over. Like, the police was behind him. They was following behind him. I don't know how long, but they was following behind him. And once they went around, he had to pull over to collect himself. I don't think people really understand the psychological damage that we have to go through, the, the things that we've been through as a community. So all the, the, the white parents or players or coaches that may be listening to this, I think, it's, I think you have to take time and really try to see something from a different perspective. When I used to work in the school district, I used to tell the teachers all the time, y'all get caught up in your own little world, your own little bubble of what uh, of of how things are. You get caught up in your own little world, your own little bubble. You know, you come home, you and your your you and your spouse or your partner, and you got your kids. You give them an after school snack. You know, you got internet, they got a phone, they got an iPad, they got a laptop, you got a computer in the in the office, and they don't have any excuse to not be able to do their work. You know, teachers are using Google Classroom and different things like that, and they're able to make sure their kids have everything that they need. They give them the lunch that they need, they make sure they have breakfast in the morning, and I'm able to do that. I'm fortunate. I'm able to do that with my kids. My youngest daughter, she's 10. She has an iPhone. I mean, it's an old iPhone. She can't get no service, but she has an iPhone. She plays games on it. She has an iPad. She has a TV in her room. Right? My wife has a has a laptop. My daughter has a laptop. My daughter had my older daughter has a laptop and an iPhone. They get breakfast in the morning. Sometimes I get up and I cook them breakfast. They get lunch, whether we give them money to purchase lunch at school or whether I fix or my wife fix lunch for them, and we make sure they have dinner. So they're able to afford to be able to do some things. But there's another group of people that don't have that. And they don't have internet at home. They only have their service on their phone. And I just think that we have to start opening up our eyes and seeing things as a whole versus seeing things tunnel vision. It's more to the world than just what's going on in our little bubble. But this here, what this individual said is really just it just it just hit me and i felt like i had to say something i just felt like i had to say something um, this is my platform i feel like i wanted to i wanted to speak on it um you can take with it take you know what you want from it you can actually take some time and try to try to um you know really be genuine if 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 you if if you're um, if you're white and you really say that you care about 
your black friends or your black coworkers or associates, you know, check on them. Ask them how they're doing. What's their well-being? You know, how, I mean, like, we have to sit down and have in-depth conversations. I have a 16-year-old daughter. We had to have in-depth conversations with how you should carry yourself when you are driving your car, when you see a police officer. Like, I have to tell her, hey, if you see the police, try not to get too, too stressed out. Remain calm. We're talking about police. We're not talking about gangs. We're not talking about thugs. We're not talking about driving in the wrong neighborhood. We're talking about just out about on any kind of day. Just remain calm. And there's a lot of white parents that ain't thinking about that. So to for for this particular individual to say what they said, it just really pissed me off. It really did. It really pissed me off. And to say don't resist arrest, whether he resisted arrest, whether whether he was was you know trying to and he was getting back in the car, he was trying to get back in the car. He didn't show any signs of a threat. I didn't see him reaching for no gun. And there are three officers there. And I don't want to hear nothing about it being an accident. Oh, he called. She said taser, taser, like three times. I don't want to hear that. You know the difference between a taser and a gun. You've been on the police force for nearly three decades. That's just my opinion. And you can take with it, like I said, you can take with it and do what you want with it. But if you're white and you say that you care about your friends, oh, we need to all love each other. If you if you saying that, you need to prove it. We got to prove it. Check on your black friend. Check on their well-being. Be genuine. Ask if there's some way you can help. Because I know that you can't, you can't, you, you can't fathom what we go through. You can have sympathy, but you should you should check on the people that that are close to you and see how they're doing. Because I I'm, I I tell you right now I'm just I'm just wore out, tired, and I've been talking about this for about twenty three twenty four minutes, but this is like a therapy session for me. It's tough. It really is. It's tough. And I don't I don't think certain people really understand the traumatic experience we go through. And it's not just the police. You first have to deal with the police, but you have to understand it's the system that's set up. And it's not set up for us to try to be successful or to win. You know, so when you think about that, um, it's just, it's it's hard. It's hard. All right, so let's get into some footwork development. Um, I ain't going to keep you out much longer. I'm going to try to get through this pretty quick. Um, footwork. 
footwork to me is arguably the most important skill in basketball. Arguably the most important skill in basketball. Some people would say shooting because, of course, you got to put the ball in the basket. But everything in basketball starts with your feet. So if someone came to me and said, no, nah, man, coach, shooting is the most important skill, and this is why. I'm like, okay, you can, you know, that's a good point. If they're good points. But yeah, that makes sense. But then someone else may come and like, no, 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 it's footwork. And this is why. So I go back and forth on this. But but when I was prepping for this, I was thinking about shooting and footwork. Footwork is used in so many different areas of basketball. Now, of course, the ultimate goal is to put the ball in the basket. I know that. But there are so many different areas where you need good footwork. And there are players that's in the NBA that's making a lot of money, not because they can shoot the ball, but because they can do other other things. Some are great at making plays. Some are great at uh, controlling the paint and rebounding. Some are great at defense, right? So there are other areas in the game that you have to exhibit good footwork that don't involve shooting. I know we love to see players like Ray Allen, Clay Thompson, you know, Buddy Hill, Steph Curry, all these different types of players shoot the basketball. Then you love to see Kobe with his footwork out of the mid post, MJ with his footwork, um, you know, Akeem Olajuwon with his footwork on the post, or Tim Duncan. Or you love to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George trying to lock somebody up on defense. Or, you know, we could take it back and go – Talk about Tony Allen and how he played defense or, or um, you know, Bruce Bowen, just, just these defensive players or someone rebound like Dennis Rodman. Like, to get in certain positions, you have to have good footwork. So that's why I would say it's almost more important than shooting. Well, i say this. It's sort of like the argument of who's a better player, MJ or, or LeBron. And people would say, well, MJ is the greatest to ever do it, but LeBron is the best all-around player, right? Or or Le, or Michael is the best scorer ever, but LeBron is the best all-around player. I look at it like this. Shooting is the number one, could be the number one skill because you have to do that to score points, and to be able to win. But if you want a great all-around game, offensively and defensively, then you got to have good footwork. So whichever one you think is more important than the other, I'm with you, okay? But having good footwork is is the foundation. It it sets a solid foundation for you, and it enhances a player's uh, playing ability, you know, improving your, your offense, like your shooting, your ball handling, your passing. Your, your ability to score on the post, um, and then defensively guarding the ball, off the ball, you know, rebounding, those different types of things. Now, when we talk about footwork, we're talking about playing on the balls of your feet. We're not talking about playing on your tippy toes. Nobody should be on your tippy toes when they're playing basketball. If you're on your tippy toes, you're going to get off balance, which is going to cause you to be top heavy. And when I say top heavy, meaning your upper body will be leaning forward, and then you're going to have a hard time pivoting, passing, shooting, and stuff like that. So we want to play on the balls of our feet. So some of the things that you want to be able to 
You want players to learn or master when it comes to footwork, jump stops, or quick hops. I use the term jump stops a lot, but I try to use the term quick hops. If I'm working with an inexperienced player and I tell them to jump stop, they're going to jump really high and they're going to land really hard on the floor. I don't want that. So what I tell them is I want you to land like you're landing on the floor is covered up with with eggs. And you're trying not to crack those eggs. I say we're not stepping on. We're not trying to kill a spider. We're not trying to kill a roach or ant or anything like that. We want to land soft. So uh, I tell players to hop quickly, not necessarily high up off the ground. We're not trying to cover ground. We're just trying to get our feet underneath us. So we work on a, a quick hop. Now, if you want to see if they're on balance, have them make a move, dribble to a certain spot, come to a quick hop, and tell them to pause in their shooting position. Hips drop, knees bent, hands ready to shoot. If, they're in, if they have good balance, they, they should land, they, they should stick that landing. Just like in gymnastics, when they finish and they can land and then stand straight up, like that player should be able to stick that landing. So if they're on balance, they should stop. When they jump, stop, or quick hop, they should be on balance. If they're leaning forward or leaning backwards, then you know that they got to continue to work on that to be able to get their balance. Now, here's the thing about balance and shooting on balance versus off balance shots. In a perfect world, you want to shoot every single shot on balance. And whatever your definition of on balance is, whether it's straight up or straight down, or whether it's jumping forward, whatever that may be for you. But you want to be on balance. Off balance shots is when you when you get ready to jump and you and you don't have control of your body. You can float left, you can float right, you can fall back, you can go forward. Purposeful off-balance shots mean you're trying to create space when you're in the air. So you land and then you jump or you come to a stop, you jump and you fade away. That shot's not perfectly on balance, but I don't look at that as being an on-balance shot. You're off-balance because your upper body is leaning back. You might kick your leg out a little bit, but you're shooting that on purpose. Um, You might float to the left, but you're doing that on purpose. So typically you start when you get ready to jump, you you when you come to a stop and then you jump, when you stop, you still have to be on balance. But if you stop and you're not on balance, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have a more difficult time of making that pass, getting that dribble or shooting that shot. Okay? So jump stops, quick hops. The other type of footwork you got to master is a stride stop or a one-two step. So you're driven to the basket, stop left, right, stop right, left. Or if you're running towards the basket, you want to go one-two. So stride stops or one-two steps. Um, another one that I love is up and under. Now, the key to an up and under is, is making that defender think that you're going to shoot the shot. I've seen players that work on this drill, work on this move, and they are just taught to dribble to the middle, fake, step through, shoot. Dribble to the middle, step, fake through, shoot. 
and they're not reading the defense. Uh, so, coaches, you got to do a better job. Of it. Don't just show a player a move and have them do it 10, 15 times, and then when they get in the game, they do the – I saw a Division One player doing that. And it got so bad, I'm like, she couldn't do an up and under. I mean, even before she would take off, up and under every time. she go to the middle, two dribbles, bring the ball up, step through, and then score. And the bad thing about it was the defense kept letting her do it. And I'm just saying to myself, what are y'all doing? Like, are you not paying attention to what her tendencies are? She's going to catch the ball on the, on the, uh, on the right block. She's going to dribble middle with her left. Pump fake, step through, and then she's going to shoot. And she really thinks she's doing something. So, uh, but anyway, we, we, we have to... We have to teach the up and under. I think the up and under is a good move to have. Uh, even for a perimeter player, you know, there's ways that you can do that further out from the basket. Uh, the, the rondo, another one is a rondo or the outside foot pivot. So if you're driven with your left, you're going to pivot uh, left, right, uh, and then you're going you're gonna to stop left, right, which is your, your one-two step. Then you're going to pivot back around and get into a shot or – if you're really advanced, you can pivot back around and get into an up and under. And then the other one is rips, you know, just catching that ball, ripping it through shoulder to shoulder while you're pivoting at the same time. But those are some different types of things with your footwork that you want to you want to try to master. What I was telling the player to, uh, yesterday is we want to keep things simple. We don't want things to be over the top. We don't want it to be too hard, too difficult. Just keep it simple. Keep it easy. And then, you know, uh, just kind of grow from there. So let's talk about some benefits of good footwork. What are some benefits of good footwork? Well, number one, it keeps you or allows you to play on balance. Balance. This is what I tell players all the time. Play on balance. We have to be able to, as a defender, play on balance. As an offensive player, play on balance. And that's gonna really, 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 really help us as a as a uh, as a player. We gotta be able to play on balance. Uh, we gotta have body control. It allows us to control our body, especially like when we're dribbling. Uh, I've said this time and time again. Uh, when it comes to dribbling the basketball, you got to have ball control, body control, and good footwork. You can't have bad ball control and like they they go hand in hand bad ball control bad body control bad body control bad ball control but the thing that helps both of those is your footwork how well can you start and stop how well can you fix your feet to change directions you know when it comes to dribbling, players have to learn there are times when we take long steps and there are times when we take short, quick steps. So we have to be able to do both of those. Um, so the benefits of good footwork, we play on balance. We have body control. We can also play through contact or play with contact. And what I mean by play through contact, meaning you get bumped, excuse me, you get bumped and you're able to play, play through it. And then you're able to continue continue your play. Play with contact. Let's say you catch it on the low post. That defender is biting you up, biting you up, and you're able to to get to your spot, make your move, and not get off balance. Okay. Um, and then the last benefit is just 
it helps you be efficient. It helps you be efficient. You know, uh, the better footwork you have, the more efficient you are with your shot, uh, better rhythm on your shot, the more efficient you are when it comes to guarding the ball, understanding how to drop step, how to turn and sprint or turn and shuffle. Um, you're more efficient when it comes to, you know, playing off the catch. So those are some things that are that are important. So those are some benefits of good footwork. You play on balance. You have better body control. You can play through contact or with contact, and then you can be efficient. Now, the next thing I want y'all to understand is that footwork is footwork. Footwork is footwork. It can be used in various situations. So what I mean is like with ball handling or or dribbling. With ball handling, we're talking about dribbling, passing, and catching. So there is footwork that you can use like an up and under, right? I can dribble. I can pivot. I can fake. I can step through, and then I can shoot a layup, right? Well, I can do the same thing and make a pass. I can dribble. I can pivot. I can step through and then make a pass, all right? I can do the run, though. Dribble, you know, stop one, two, pivot, shot. Or I can dribble, stop one, two, pivot, and then pass. So footwork is footwork. So what I tell players is once you learn how to do or perform a certain uh, footwork movement, we don't have to learn it again in different situations. We just apply it to that situation. So, you're talking about the rondo. Well, I can do the rondo and finish at the rim for a pass. Um, I can, I'm sorry, I can do the rondo and finish at the rim. In the half court, I can do the rondo and pivot and, and make a pass. Or I could be in the full court. Someone, we could be playing against a team that's got a full court press. I can dribble, pivot, pass, and it's the same thing. So, so we got to understand that we can do it in different different situations. Um, shooting, footwork is footwork. Um, I'm I'm running from half court to the three point line. Someone throw it to me. I might step into a left right, or I might catch it off the hop. But I could be dribbling towards the free throw line, and I can stop one two and shoot it, or I can stop quick hop and then shoot it. So it's 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 the same thing, um, off the catch, right? My footwork on a low post, mid post, and high post. Once I catch and square up, that footwork off the catch or out of triple threat is going to be the same as if I catch it on the wing or in the slide or the top of the key, right? Footwork is footwork. Um, shooting off the dribble versus shooting with your inside foot off the catch. So if I'm on the right wing and I cut to the free throw line, I catch and I pivot and shoot, I'm catching with my inside foot, which is my right foot. Well, if I'm dribbling with my left hand and I stop one, two, then it's going to be typical. It can be right, left. So footwork is footwork. So once you tell a player that, once they learn it, then you tell them, here's another instance that you can apply this. Then a light bulb comes on. They're like, oh, snap, I get it. Okay, that makes sense. And then after a few reps, they should be able to catch on pretty quick.
All right, so let's talk about how to improve footwork. Now, some people think that improving footwork, basketball footwork, you have to use an agility ladder. That's not totally true. Um, it's called an agility ladder, not a basketball footwork <laughs> ladder. It's agility. So um, there's a there's a difference between improving your agility and improving your your basketball footwork. So uh, according to Google, I wanted to look this up on Google, uh, agility is a noun and its ability to move quickly and easily, right? Quickly and easily. So basically your footwork agility drills, like your ladder drills and stuff like that, they can help you improve your foot quickness and allow you to be graceful, but it doesn't necessarily improve your athletic performance, okay? So what I mean by that is, there's a young girl I'm working with now, she's in fourth grade, um, bad footwork. She, she's working on it, she's trying to get there, but got bad footwork. Um, footwork is not down to baby shoot, you know, the right and left hand layup gracefully. Um, when she's on the left side, she um, jumps off the wrong foot. And, and I know right now we're teaching players to shoot left-hand layup off the left foot. I tell them that it's wrong until they show me that they can do it the other way. I, you know, call it old school, whatever you want to call it. But I do tell them, at the, at the same time I tell them, hey, at the end of the day, you just got to put the ball in the basket. No one's going to take away two points if you jump off the wrong foot. Or if you use your right hand on the left side, just make the layup. Okay, try your best to make the layup. Um, so, but but anyway, uh, agility ladder works with your foot quickness. Like, how quick can I can I get my foot down? Can I be graceful when I make these moves? But you have to learn the movement. So, one of the best ways to improve your footwork is to mimic those basketball movements. One reason why we see players struggle so much, and this is just my opinion, I don't have any scientific proof on this, is because they're not going out and mimicking things that they see on the court. So what I mean is when I was a kid, um, uh, the NBA used to come on Sunday afternoons. After I would watch two basketball games, before it got dark, I would go outside and be like, ooh, I saw Michael Jordan do this. I'm going to go out there and try to do it. Or oh, I saw Tim Hardaway do this, do this move. I'm gonna go out there and try to do it. I would try to mimic that. And then I would play basketball with my friends all the time. So I was constantly working on my basketball movements. A lot of these kids, it has to be in a formal setting. So they go to a trainer one day a week, then they have team practice two days a week, and that's the only time they're touching the court or even touching the ball. So their movement patterns is a little funky, is a little off. So um, you got to mimic some basketball movements. So sometimes what I tell kids to do is when you're in your room and you're watching TV or you're watching something on YouTube, just mimic different basketball movements you might see in the game. It doesn't have to be full speed. I'm not telling them to do it for an hour, two hours, or 30 minutes, nothing like that. Just, you know, a few times work on mimicking some different types of some different types of movement. Start slow, 
but then you want to move on to really focusing on the technique. It's not about speed, but starting slow. Um, then the last thing is just being able to pivot off both feet. You got to be able to pivot off both feet. Um, so you got to be able to pivot off both feet and just kind of, you know, just whatever you do with your left foot as your pivot, you want to be able to do the same thing with your right foot as a pivot. Some coaches believe in a permanent dom- uh, a dominant pivot pivot foot or a permanent pivot foot, and that's and that's cool. Uh, but my job is to make a player where they can survive in any situation. So once they learn a dominant pivot foot, then we go into things with the other foot. But there are some some things that we work on where they have to be able to pivot off their if they're right handed with their right foot. It's just part of the game. All right, so that is it. Um, I appreciate y'all. If you're still listening to this, hey, I appreciate you listening to my rant the first 20, 20, 28, 29, 30 minutes of this of this episode. Um, I just felt like I had to get some things off my chest. Uh, sometimes we don't realize what people are going through because we're on the outside looking in. And so if you stayed on here and you listened to the whole thing, I appreciate you. Um, and if you fast forward, if you didn't want to hear none of that and you skipped it, I ain't got, I ain't, I ain't mad at you. You know, you, you know, you do what you feel like you got to do. Um, but you know, I just, I just felt led that I needed to, to share some thoughts on that. Um, so if you want to follow me on social media, be sure to check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse. My social media is at NBNBball. That's at N-B-N-B-B-A-L-L, NBNBball. If you have any questions, you know, you can shoot me a direct message. Um, I do pretty good of, of checking those. Um, hit me up. Let me know if you have something or if you need help with anything. But if you have something long, if you need, you know, um, a lot of information on something, send me an email. My email is info at tjonesfirm.com. That's I-N-F-O at T-J-O-N-E-S-F-I-R-M, tjonesfirm.com. Also visit my website, tjonesfirm.com, and it's got a lot of information on, on services I offer, things that I do. Um, and speaking of some of my services, I have been doing some consulting with some different coaches and teams. So, if you're interested in that, skill development-wise, uh, let me know. I've been helping some coaches put together. I actually just helped a coach put together a portfolio, coaching portfolio, um, hooked them up, added a couple things to it, made it look real nice and presentable. Um, you know, it's that time of year where people are looking for different jobs. So if, you, if you're interested in something like that, let me know. Also, if you're looking to uh, get some help with your skill development program, something that can really help you get organized, Shoot me an email at info at tjonesfirm.com. I'd love to talk to you about it and see if we can uh, work together on some uh, on a skill development program. Well, that is it. I appreciate y'all. Until next week, thank you, and God bless.